Hello and welcome back to another episode of Everything Athletes. I'm your host, Kim Carducci, former Division I swimmer and existential thinker. I am so excited for today's episode titled Self-Doubts and Mental Health Solutions with Ryan Foe. Ryan Foe is a former Division II baseball player. We'll get into his introduction in just a minute. But this episode is super relatable for any modern athlete. Ryan goes into his high school and collegiate baseball experiences, how one particular freshman baseball game was the impetus to have lingering feelings of self-doubt as a player. And he talks about his organization, Psych Athletes, and how he's helping athletes today learn about mental well-being, learn about the power of thought, and have the mental health resources they need to compete to the best of their abilities. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Ryan. I am sitting here with Ryan Foe. He is a former D2 collegiate baseball player where he played at Holy Names University, and he is now the founder of Psych Athletes. Psych Athletes is a content organization driven to provide mental health and performance resources in sport to athletes who have had said resources hidden from them due to cultural stigma surrounding mental health, due to affordability, and overall lack of awareness. I think we all can relate to those issues. Mm -hmm. The Psych Athletes, they specialize in the production and distribution of easily digestible mental performance content through audio media platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and through social media platforms such as Instagram and Facebook. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show today. No problem. I am happy to be here and riff it out with you. Yes, 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 yes. And I definitely want to talk about psych athletes, but before we do that, I want to talk about you and your athlete journey because... I love those specific journeys so much more. I think the knowledge is so much more relatable. Stories are powerful and people can learn a lot from everyone else's life. So I'd love for you to kind of take us back to how you got started playing baseball. Yeah. So I got started like any other, you know, young kid. I saw it on TV. I'd be like, mom, what's that? And she'd be like, that's baseball. And I'd practice with my remote. And I'd like take like practice swings while they threw the ball on TV. And then I'd go out every day into the field. I'd spend like all day, all day throwing into a net, you know, tossing up a tennis ball, hitting it. I'd like beg my brother and my dad to play catch with me. I'd throw it against the garage. I'd get in trouble all the time. But yeah, I basically ate, breathed and, you know, slept baseball. It's all I thought about when I was growing up. I didn't really have any other interests. But yeah, that's basically how I got started with it. Yeah, for sure. And how old were you when you first started? like like five I remember yeah I remember playing t-ball and all the kids on my team they weren't serious because it's t-ball right and the parents go they go to like you know watch the kids run around and fall down and swing and miss and hit themselves on the head and throw the ball everywhere but I was the only one out there and and the parents would be like wow he's actually kind of he's actually kind of good like I would actually like catch the ball no one could catch a baseball um I would, I would make my coach, you know, it was T-ball, so we did off T, but I make my coach like throw it to me um, because I wanted to be like advanced, you know, I wanted to be known as this like baseball prodigy, but yeah, it was everything to me, everything. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's very early to start too. And I guess just tell us a little bit about how you progressed through 
you know, elementary school, middle school, high school. I know you're on the West coast. I'm mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Baseball is huge here, particularly high school baseball. Mm-hmm. Just tell us about your progression up through high school. Yeah. So throughout like high school, no, throughout like middle school, elementary school, I was always kind of one of the most talented kids on the team. Um, my coach has always, you know, favored me. I, you know, there's no point in being humble about it because towards the end of my story, you're going to be like, shit, like I kind of feel bad. <laughs> but at the beginning I was like, I was gifted. I was a good baseball player and through, um, I was always the best player on the team. I got to middle school and it's all I would talk about with my friends. You know, um, I didn't really have any interest outside of baseball other than, you know, going to school and, and playing video games and playing like, you know, catch with my friends and just playing sports on the schoolyard and stuff like that. Um, but in high school, I, I was playing for this team that fed into my, um, my high school program. And they were super excited to have me. Like I was on this road to, you know, success. I was, I had everything laid out for me and I was, I was ready to go. My coaches thought really highly of me. I was looking to play varsity my freshman year at that school. And, you know, I was ready to go and my coaches really liked me. And then my dad got a new job and this was in, um, Morgan Hill, California, which is Northern California. I'm sorry if, if this is all going to get a little boring, but no, it gets interesting towards the end. Yeah, I was in the Bay Area, San Jose, Morgan Hill area, and I played for that team. My dad found a new job in Orange County, and that was kind of a shock to me, but not really because I've moved so much in my life. I've lived in like 10 different states relocating for my, my dad's work and wow. always had to make new friends and whatnot. Yeah, that's just me and you could talk about that. That's a whole different <laughs> Um, but yeah, we moved down to Southern Orange County and, um, I remember my coaches up North, they're like, you sure you don't want to stay with us? Like you can live in my house. Like you can, you can, you can just go to school and you can play ball. And they, they were sad to see me leave. Um, and then I get down to Southern Orange County and the culture is just super different. Um, up North, it's more, it's more gritty. It's more play to win. It's more aggressive. It's like, put your, put everything on the line. And that's kind of how I grew up playing the game. And when, when I got down South, um, I remember trying out for my team, uh, tryout was super easy for everyone else, but I got there like the second semester, but for everyone else, um, they had to go through like a month, like a semester's worth of tryouts. But for me, it was one day they saw me field like 10 ground balls and hit a round of of batting practice. And I like, all right, you're on the team. And I'm like, really like that? And they're like, yeah, you're on the team. I'm like, all right, this is awesome. (laughs) And so here's when things kind of start going downhill for me. Um, Basically it was this new social kind of sphere for me. It was this new culture in a way. It was a different way they played the game. And I remember I, I arrived at our first practice and my teammates, there was this sort of kind of envy or like, you know, who's this new kid who like, we don't know him. He spent like one day trying out. We spent like two months and I wasn't liked like from the, from the start, but it was kind of apparent that I was one of the better players on the team. And we get to our first game and I make an error. And I started that day and make an error. And then I struck out and my coach pulls me in the fourth inning. And I was like, this is freshman baseball. Why am I getting, why am I getting pulled? And then Basically, that's where everything kind of started going downhill mentally for me. Everything kind of shifted. I never really struggled with baseball up until that point. I've always had my coaches trust in me, my teammates trust. I was always a great teammate. I always gave everything on the field, but then I kind of felt a little betrayed. And my coach, mind you, is this 80-year-old 
man, he's an old head. He's kind he's borderline, like has dementia. It's a freshman baseball program where there's no money. There's no money for coaching. And he ended up getting fired halfway through the season, but he kind of, that affected me long-term. I kind of started doubting myself. I was like, I was trying way too hard. I started, you know, getting mad at my teammates, being envious of others, being like, I should be playing instead of them. Like, this is not, this is not who I am as a player. I started trying too hard, started, started having confidence issues, had a lot of anxiety, um, went through a little bit of depression in high school. And this is like freshman, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'm like, this is really what I want to do. And I, I kept reminding myself, like, I love this game. I love this game. And I started kind of realizing that I had no interests other than baseball in high school. So this is a huge period in my life. It's my adolescence. It's like puberty. I'm growing up. I'm trying to be like an adult now. And so I start, you know, going out actually and having friends and having a social life. And that distracted from baseball a little. Um, and sophomore year was like a low year. And then I'm like, okay. And then junior year, I ended up playing junior varsity as well. I didn't even make it to varsity until my senior year because I was just like plagued with these, you know, mental struggles. I had the doubts about myself. I was distracted. And senior year, I decided to kind of like turn it around. And I was like, this isn't who I am. And I put, and I, throughout the four years, I was always working hard. I was always in the cages. I was always playing with my friends and I was working hard, but I guess I had, I had nothing, you know, no mental resources to help me, no one to talk to Mm -hmm. um, because it didn't seem like anyone else really cared as much in my opinion. And then senior year, I had a great summer. I hit like 500. I started my senior year and then I was lucky enough to be able to play college baseball. But um, yeah, senior year had a decent year. It wasn't the best, um, but I started a lot and got a lot of playing time. And one of my coaches like recognized how hard I worked and just my love for the game in general. And he got me a spot on a college team, Holy Names University. And came in Holy Names and I never got like throughout my whole college career, I didn't get more than I think 30 at bats. I think from the get go, I was a walk on. I didn't get any scholarship money. I was kind of put in this box and I would have great falls. I would have every year and the season started in the spring. I would have great falls. I'd play my ass off and my coaches would love me and I performed like crazy and I'd be really primed and ready to go for the next semester. But it kind of seemed like this cycle would happen where I got lost in the shuffle going into my spring year. And then I start pressing. I start trying too hard. I would start, you know, kind of having anxiety, freaking out. I would not play up to who, you know, I thought I was capable of being. And I attribute a lot of that to not, you know, training my mind and not taking care of my mental health. You know, because when you don't perform and when you have such a strong athletic identity and you don't perform in that aspect of your life, it's going to affect you in all aspects of life. So I started experiencing, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, I lost a lot of motivation. Some days I didn't even want to wake up. I would miss practices sometimes. And my college career kind of ended super abruptly. It ended abruptly due to COVID. I kind of my family and I decided, you know, I could finish college a year early. I graduated a year early and we're like, okay, do I want to go to graduate school and keep playing baseball and pay, you know, like what, 20 grand. And we decided that was, I made the decision that that was it for me. So yeah, that's pretty much the end of my, my college career. And then I think about a couple months later, me and my friends are sitting in a room and we're just, you know, talking and I just start thinking and doing a little bit of, you know, retrospection and, and looking at my career and, you know, what went wrong in it, you know, And I started to realize that, you know, I struggled like heavily with, you know, anxiety and depression and, you know, confidence issues. And I really had nowhere to talk 
nowhere to turn, no one to talk to. And I feel like if I had those resources, I would have played a lot better. I would have been more happy as an athlete and as an individual as a whole. So we decided to start psych athletes and start, you know, producing some content for kids who like me never had those resources are sitting there with nowhere to turn who are, you know, kind of doubting their athletic ability, even though they've been playing the sport for years and years and years, and they get to this point and they start to wonder what's wrong with them and nothing's wrong with them. They just need a little guidance. They just need a little help because it's so hard with how competitive sports are these days. There's no time for mental resources. There's no time for, you know, one-on-one talking with your coach, seeing what's up with you, you know, getting your head right. There's no time for that. And a lot of athletes sadly struggle with depression, anxiety, um, and it's tough to see. And so we started Psych Athletes and here I am now. Wow. That's, yeah, that's quite a lot. The I have yeah, so I've, much I want to ask you. <laughs> yeah. I've rehearsed that. Like I've, I've, I've told that story so many, so many times now, but it's kind of just like, you know, there, there, there. Sorry for the viewers that kind of maybe turned it off. <laughs> oh. oh my God. It's good. Yeah. But it's not, it's not a happy story. There's no kind of, I mean, I guess right now is sort of my redemption a little bit, but yeah, you know, a lot of careers end like that good that has come out of it a lot of lessons and a lot of good that you're doing for others there's a positive ripple effect now and into the future but I want to go back to your freshman year of high school and that particular game which I so many athletes have this every athlete experiences an off day a bad meet a bad match a bad race a bad game anything you know that wasn't quite up to their expectations it happens Uh, It's unfortunate the timing of yours where it happened to be the first game where you started to doubt yourself and where your coach pulled you out. But it was there anything that could have been done like directly after that game that would have helped ameliorate some of that doubt or help you kind of process that game and not have it have been so affected in your life and your, your athlete career after that? Like, If you went back to like the next day or like the night of that game, what do you think would have helped? Someone talking to me. Athletes are so at such a young age, especially at 14, 15 years old, they're so impressionable. You know, they're really reactionary. They have a lot of recency bias, um, impulsive, and they base all of these beliefs about themselves and, and what's true and what's reality on basically what's happened recently and like their failures in that moment. And they kind of don't, they lack perspective. Mm-hmm. Young athletes lack perspective a lot of the times because the game means so much to them. So <laughs> what could have done, what could like, what could have happened to kind of right the ship would have been for someone to talk to. Yeah. For okay. a, yeah. yeah. And then for, even specifically like someone saying, Oh, you know, I went through a smaller experience or someone giving you like technical knowledge. Like what could they have said to you for you to be like, okay, you know, I had that game, but I'm moving on and we'll be better from this point on. Yeah, exactly what you said. Just have, just have a little, you know, just relax and realize that you're playing a game. Okay. Your coach pulled you. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Okay. It's, it's not about you. All right. Just, just try and help your team win. Just get back to who, you know, you can be, Um, you know, go out there, have fun because it is just a game and just go compete and don't worry about anything else. That's the number one thing. Like that could have helped me the most. If anyone at some point during my high school to college years said that to me, it would have blown my mind because I forgot about it. I forgot to have fun. I forgot that this sport, it's not a job. You know, it feels like it a lot of the time because you know how competitive it is and how structured it is and how serious your coaches are, but sports are meant to be fun. And 
it's so easy to forget that sometimes. And I forgot that. And I started playing the game for the wrong reasons, started playing the game, you know, to win a spot, to win a starting job for personal success and not to help my team win. And that just, you know, wasn't good for me. And it's not good for a lot of athletes. Yeah. And another thing I want to ask you, so you said your sophomore year, you started, you know, kind of diving into other interests, you know, going Mm -hmm. out with different groups of people, but also too, you understood you only had one thing in your life, which was baseball. And I think it's hard for athletes today, especially youth sports, like, as you said, how competitive they are, it doesn't really leave you a lot of time or energy to explore other things. Do you see that there's a a way for the youth that are playing sports now to have some sort of balance with being as competitive as they can be and dedicating themselves to their sport, but also being a well-rounded individual off the field? So I might come off as pessimistic when I say this, but in high school, there's no time. You know, you have school from 7 a.m., sometimes 6 a.m. until 3.30. You have practice afterwards, and then maybe you have like a workout. You go home, and then you have to do homework, and then maybe you want to go hang out with your friends. You know, that's three things. You have social life, you have sports life, and you have school life. And those are the only three things that you have. And that kind of limits other people, you know, that extracurricular activity that a lot of people have is either a sport, either skating, you know, surfing here where I'm like from, you either, you know, have like rock climbing or stuff like that. You have this one, you know, band practice or, you know, yeah, orchestra, something like that. You have this one curricular activity, then you have school and then you have, and then you have your social life. So it's, it's really hard to find time for even two of, those things out of three you know a lot of athletes don't have time you know for homework (laughs) it's understandable like you want to go hang out with your friends your kid you want to go you want to you know go play your sport and you you have school mandatory school for eight hours a day there's not a lot of time for that stuff and I feel like that's a that's kind of a a pitfall of our society and uh, for for youth in general just the general structure of school I'm getting kind of um radical here but the general yeah, structure yeah. of school there's no time for for you to develop yourself essentially unless you play unless you don't play a sport or else you don't go out with your friends or else you don't do your homework you know what I'm kind of saying here but I guess the the thing you can do is try and maybe devote like five to ten minutes each day because you will have some free time some days you're not gonna go out with your friends some days you're not gonna have homework maybe devote like five to ten minutes to an hour maybe doing something that you've always been interested but not haven't been able to you know actually do that like reading or Mm -hmm. or surfing or you know playing piano playing an instrument something like that and I found like with a lot of free time that I have now after college I've been doing a whole bunch of things I've been reading a ton I've I've been trying to play piano I'm not really good at it I've been listening to a lot of podcasts I've been learning Spanish and there's so much time to do that now but so good but in in high school and college there's not a lot of time so I'd say kind of maybe take five to ten minutes or a day or 15 minutes 30 minutes an hour trying to maybe learn a new skill because it's it's yeah. super important to develop more interest to become more well-rounded not just you know for your future but also your well-being as a whole for more creative outlets for yourself you know take some anger yeah. frustration that you have in some aspects of your life out in that one yeah I totally agree and that's awesome I want to hear you play a song on the piano one day <laughs> I can play I can play a bunch of anime soundtracks 
Oh, I love I love um, pop culture music. I love like movie scores and and anime soundtracks. So I just like I've learned a bunch of those, and I can kind of play them. Yeah, Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> yeah, no, I have I can't play that. No, I've looked <laughs> at it. I tried. Uh, I could play like an at- Attack on Titan OST, and that's that's about it. Okay. Um, okay, so let's take a step back and just look at mental health as a whole in you know, pop culture, I guess, or in sports culture. What are your thoughts on what's been happening the past few years, especially some of the professional athletes, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, Kevin Love, Hayden Hurst, you know, all of these professional players that have come forward and shared their own mental health struggles. You know, what are your thoughts on what's going on? I think it's great for sports. And I think it's great to be brought into the mainstream. Um, I still think if you, do you have Twitter? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love to go on Twitter and just read stupid replies to you know, tweets. <laughs> and when that whole thing was going on, you would go to one of the yeah. tweets about it and say, no, Naomi Osaka came out with this statement talking about, you know, you know, she wanted to take some time off for her mental health and she wanted to actually, you know, help her team win. That's why she pulled herself out of the competition, which I thought was super brave and really courageous and really, you know, wise. Um, and you go into the replies of those tweets and, Half of them are from these old heads of these super, you know, traditional people who are saying she needs to serve her country. You know, you have to be strong willed, you know, mentally tough. And there's always going to be that side of sports. And there's always going to be that side of the struggle, I feel like. And I think our job as athletes and kind of me and you as like creators is to push forward the message and, you know, keep capitalizing on, on these professional athletes, you know, making statements like Kevin Love. I really love what Kevin Love did um, when he came out and talked about his depression um, and his anxiety. And I think it's super important. I think the one thing that you guys can take from it, if you're an athlete, um, is that professional athletes, they struggle with this stuff too. Like they struggle at the most, you know, at the highest levels of the game. Okay, and their stress is like compounded by media, by their performance, by their by their teammates and expectations and money. And it's so it's like life or death for them. And they struggle with the same exact stuff, you know, and if they're if they're talking about it and they're trying to address it and they, you know, spend their programs, spend like thousands and thousands of dollars each year, you know, devoted to mental health and mental performance, then we should do the same thing. We should continue to spread awareness for it. We should continue to practice it. We should continue to be mindful about ourselves, be mindful about our mental health uh, and stuff like that. But that's my main kind of thoughts about it. And I think it's super important that, you know, that came out during the Olympics. And I think it was really good for sports as a whole. Yeah. And not that it's comforting to see other people struggle, but it is, there is some comfort in knowing that even the best of the best have their own struggles too. I totally agree with that. They do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just zooming back into you, one topic that I love talking about with everything athletes and on this podcast is retirement. It's such a big transition. There are so many moving factors and moving parts, both internally and externally, So you specifically, I know you're working with psych athletes. That's your organization you've created. I'm sure you find a lot of purpose in that. What else are you doing in retirement to maybe process the transition? You know, what could an athlete who is maybe a senior in college and is about to retire, what could they take away as advice from you on some best tips, best practices, or just things you're doing in retirement? 
it's definitely an ongoing struggle. You know, um, I'm thankful to have found something like Psych Athletes and been able to kind of cultivate this following. I'm really grateful for the people that listen to the podcast and kind of support it. Um, so I'm, I'm really lucky to have that. Um, that's definitely my main outlet. Um, but I've kind of throughout the couple months, it was really hard because I had so much free time and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I kind of, you know, had, didn't have closure on my career. And I'm, I really struggled with it. Um, I'm getting better at it, about it now, but I did, you know, get depressed at times, get, you know, sad, frustrated and kind of, you know, wondering, you know, where am I going to go from here? Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And I, I, I think the best advice I can give is just to put one foot in front of the other. You might already have a plan laid out for you and that's great. Um, you might want to change your mind. I don't know, but just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I just tell myself, just get out of bed. Um, I've started journaling. I've started meditating. I've started practicing all the stuff I preach. I visualize, I set goals and I've done a lot of mindfulness stuff. I've been going to yoga a lot, working out really, really helps. It gives you kind of that athletic, you know, feeling again. Um, yeah, I'm looking to, you know, I've been playing basketball a lot. You know, I love basketball. That's the sport I wouldn't play if I, I would. Yeah, that that was one played. of my questions. Yeah, yeah. If you weren't playing baseball, <laughs> what would you play? <laughs> yeah, basketball for sure. I think it's super creative. I love the culture around it, but um, I've been playing a lot of basketball and that's kind of been my, you know, athletic outlet, you know, and actually kind of competing with myself. I haven't joined any leagues or anything yet, but that's definitely in the work. So yeah, um, you join a league, you know, if you still love the game and you still want to go play, go play it casually. I'm not saying like, um, just go out with your friends and like throw a baseball around or go swimming in laps in a pool, join a league. Those things are competitive. They're fun. Um, but I, I definitely suggest you start, you know, setting goals, start journaling, start meditating those things, especially if you're struggling with the kind of death of your sport, those things kind of help you come to terms with it 100% and talk about it talk about it with your friends, with your family. If, especially if you're like me and you didn't really get closure on it, talk about it. That thing's so, that stuff's so important to just not bottle it up and let those things kind of um, nag at you throughout the rest of your life. For sure. Talk about it. That's the biggest thing. Um, And yeah, yeah, that's about it. Okay, cool. And then what, if, if athletes could do one thing today to support their mental health, protect their mental health, I guess this question is more for the active athletes and less so for retired athletes. Mm-hmm. What's something that athletes could do today? You know, what would you suggest? There's a bunch of things. <laughs> I have so much stuff. Um, Good. Yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> but I, I, I want to talk about one thing though. Okay. And I'm going to start with a story about myself. Cause I always do. Um, I remember one day I'm a super moody person. Um, I let like one little thing bother me if something happens to me in the morning, it ruins the rest of my day. And I'm really bad, or I was really bad. This is all in the past now, I'm different. But I was really bad at controlling my emotions and kind of maintaining a level head and just to breathe and just to have perspective. And I remember one day at practice, one of my teammates asked like, why are you always mad all the time? Why are you always like grumpy? Like I've, it's been that way throughout my entire life through middle school, high school. Um, everyone's like known for me to be like super moody. And I never really acknowledged it. I never really talked about that. And I look at him and I'm like, I don't know, because that's the first time I kind of acknowledged it for the first time in my life. And he says, do you need like someone to talk to? And I would be like, and I, I was just like, this whole conversation was new to me. I was like, yeah, I would. And he's like, well, let's talk. And then I talked to him a little bit about it. 
and he recommended I go to one of the psychologists or therapists on campus. And of course, they were located in some like cavern on campus. So I never actually got around. I, to find them. I remember you saying that. Yeah. So I never really got around to find them, which was harmful in and of itself. But I just remember that feeling of being able to let it out and talk about it and acknowledge it for the first time in my life. And I felt this huge feeling of relief. It was weird. It was kind of euphoric. And then the days following, I never followed up on that. And I never got better at controlling my emotions and being less moody. But um, I remember that moment all the time now. And I remember how good it was or how good it felt to actually just acknowledge what's wrong with you or what you're feeling at that given moment. Because when you're when you're struggling and and you're bottling all these things up, they're going to consume you. They're going to come out in some shape or form, you know, in some form of frustration. Um, the best thing you can do is to just talk about it and t- kind of give yourself a little peace of mind. The first thing to do when you start, you know, developing or to eliminate, you know, negative thought patterns or negative self-beliefs is just to acknowledge them verbally with yeah. someone you care about or some like a friend. Um, I think it's super important to just, you know, speak and just yeah. talk about how you're feeling. But that's the biggest thing I think if you're kind of new to maybe mental, you know, the world of mental health and, you know, how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your mind, how to kind of reprogram your mind, get rid of all the, you know, negative self-talk, the negative self-beliefs, I would just start talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I would do with anyone, anyone you can and someone you trust. Yeah. Okay. So for the athletes that are listening to this episode, check on your teammates. This is a great lesson. Ask them how they're doing. Just check in with them because you never know what they're going through or what they might need if they, you know, don't speak up or ask someone mm-hmm. okay. and definitely and also oh, yeah. sorry if i'm getting annoying but no follow up on that stuff with someone if you talk about it and you want to take action on your mental health and if you want to get better you want to get more confident you want to have peace of mind you want to be more present in life take action on it okay have an intention to do so don't be like me in college where i talked about it for a little and then i forgot about it and then i let everything consume me you know take action on it yeah Totally agree. Okay. And then let's end with a few rapid fire questions. So we already know if you didn't play baseball, you would play basketball. Mm -hmm. The next question is what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Dude, every, every question you ask, I have this story. Good. Yeah. Stories are powerful. Share them. Um, I have a lot. I, I like the best piece of advice is just to have fun. You've heard it all throughout your life, you know, have fun. That's the biggest thing in sports. Just go out there and have fun. But the best piece of, you know, kind of life advice I've been given, I was stuck on the side of the road one time. Um, I hit a car on the freeway, which is totally not my fault. I hit him from behind. They were going like 50 miles an hour in a merge lane on the freeway and they were not driving the speed limit. Okay. It wasn't my fault, but I hit someone and my bumper fell off and it was kind of a reverse hit and run because they drove off. And they left me. Yeah, they left me. And this is in Oakland, by the way, in East Oakland by the airport. And not a not the best area in the United States, but it was yeah. I was scared. And I was on the side of the road and I was trying to fix my bumper, prop it up so I could drive home because it was dragging on the ground. And this guy pulls up behind me and he comes up to me and he's like, Did you get an accident? I'm like, Yeah. And he, and he helped me fix my tire. He roped it up, he tied it together. Wow. And then I'm like, Man, like, thank you so much. Like, do you, do you need any money? I don't have any money on me right now, but I can like Venmo you. And he's like, no, dude, just, if you ever see someone on the side of the road, just pay it forward. Just do the same thing that I did for you to them. 
and yeah, pay it forward. Just, you know, good deeds, you know, help people out, talk to people. I think that's the best piece of advice I've ever been given. Just, you know, to serve, just, just to help people in life. Whenever you see someone struggling, whether they be on the side of the road or they seem down at practice or, you know, one of your friends is just, hasn't come out in a few weeks or, you know, talk to anybody, you know, check on them, pay it forward, you know, be a good person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I personally have a similar experience also with my car as well. So I absolutely (laughs) relate to that. Yeah. Um, Okay. The next question is what gets you excited today and where do you find purpose in life right now? This might all seem super gratuitous, but I just, my purpose is just to help people um, with psych athletes and with my friends, just to try to be a good friend. Um, Just, you know, giving people peace of mind, being able to impact their life in a positive way. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much where I find my purpose and what I get excited about when I wake up in the morning. Yes. I love that. And then if you have a life mantra or a quote you live by or a saying you live by, you know, what is your life mantra? This is kind of my own, but it's like, keep an open mind, be present and have fun. That's my life mantra. Just be present all the time, whatever way you can. If you need help being present, meditate, you know, breathe, be present in the moment because we only have so much time and they go by like that. Yeah. So true. That's my life mantra. And then is there anything else you want to share or any additional advice you'd like to share with listeners? Um, They're probably tired of me preaching by now. So I'll just (laughs) tell them if you guys want to listen to more of me, go to um, go to anchor or you go to Spotify, Apple podcasts and search up psych athletes. We'll show up right there and follow us on Instagram at psych athletes as well. I'm sure all these links are going to be in the description, but also join our Facebook group. Um, you can find that link on our Instagram in our bio, but that's pretty much it for me. I'm always available to talk to people. I like DMing people all the time. That's what I do with a, a large portion of my day. I just talk to athletes. I just help them out. So yeah, just DM me whenever you want. That's, that's awesome. Yes. And we will include links to everything, Ryan, all of psych athletes in the show notes so you can find where to reach him. And do you also do one-on-one coaching as well? Is that? Um, not true? currently. Okay. As I'm, you know, working on applications like we discussed earlier, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, just follow the links. Um, okay. On the podcast. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you for sharing your story and creating psych athletes in the first place. You're impacting so many people in a space that is really needed, as you know. So thank you for being with us and spreading the message. Thank you, Kim. Bye, guys.